This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Ann Nicholson-Weber, and I'm here with three artists involved with the Idle Muse production of Shakespeare's R&J, currently playing at The Side Project. With me are Tristan Brandon, who directed the show, Andrew Lund, who plays Juliet, and Curtis Jackson, who plays Romeo. And maybe we can start right away um, explaining the premise of the show so that people who are saying, why does Andrew Lund play Juliet, will have that question <laughs> answered. So Tristan, maybe you can just describe what the show is. Well, the show is most properly thought of as just an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. There are lots of ways to adapt Shakespeare. And what Joe Calarco, the uh, the author, has done is he has taken four schoolboys. Uh, and they th- the premise is essentially that they, in an effort to kind of carve out uh, a niche for themselves to counter this oppressive uh, parochial school environment... Mm. Uh, take to reading and exploring and playing out for themselves and for each other, uh, you know, literature. And what they've, the implication is that what they've most recently found is Romeo and Juliet. And uh, student one, who is uh, Curtis's character, uh, kind of brings that to them. And they take on all the roles and they... Uh, switch characters and they use all the lines and they are kind of, they kind of enjoy the sword play and the sex jokes and all of those things. And, uh, as they explore it further and further, they get kind of pulled into it and they begin to explore some of the other themes in Romeo and Juliet that are love, obviously, mm-hmm. and family and, you know, nations and politics and grudges and, you know, really deep social ties and kind of social distortion that, um, has happened obviously forever. Um, but they begin to, to really get pulled into it. And what they discover is that there's a lot more to what they've found than just something to, to, to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and the school environment kind of goes away and they sort of carve out a place for themselves, uh, apart from it. Mm-hmm. And they actually kind of, it's, they actually kind of transform their environment into the kind of their own play space. If that makes any sense. Sure. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the experience for the audience member is it begins very clearly in this school, very regimented school, marching in uniforms and lots and lots of bells. And then essentially in my impression of it, although I can recognize a lot of what you just said, the layer of the boys doing it kind of dissolves. I mean, certainly there is this, um, it's different that you're seeing Romeo and Juliet with no costumes except boys in school uniforms and four of them doubling every role and so forth. But what's striking to me is how much you just see the play and how incredibly strong the drama is that it can, that you can see Romeo and Juliet with no costumes and, you know, this, and this, um, alienating effect of most particularly a boy playing Juliet. Of course, that's interesting because in the original, that would have been how it was done. But, um, so, so, but yes, because, because of who's doing it, there's other stuff happening and there are times when the boys are pulled back from the performance. They, they go too far. They scare themselves or the world of the school comes down on them. At least that's what I saw, particularly when things get too sexy mm-hmm. and then they, <laughs> they kind of freeze up. When things do get um, sexy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I thought um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it with you is because, um, first of all, I think the Shakespeare is so good. You know, you wouldn't normally go to the side project to see 
um, Shakespeare. <laughs> and it, I mean, I know it's not, it's idle, idle muse is the, is the producer, but as I say, you wouldn't, the, the, you know, you, we're not on Navy Pier here. Mm. But the, um, the speaking of the verse is really, I think, quite good. And I wanted to know, um, from you two, Andrew and Curtis, you know, what is your experience with Shakespeare and what did you do to prepare for these roles? Um, Oh, I trained uh, a little bit in Shakespeare um, in my undergrad. Mm -hmm. Where did you um, go to school? I went to Plymouth State University um, up in Plymouth, New Hampshire, uh -huh. and um, was involved in a couple productions. Um, did Midsummer you major Night's in Dream. Theater? Yep, I was uh -huh. an acting major, uh -huh. and uh, I was involved in uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, um, a production of Hamlet, and a staged reading of uh, the Scottish play. Mm -hmm. And it's like we're in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, also along with acting classes, um, and some, some Shakespeare classes. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, I did have a background coming into it, um, and an understanding of Scansion and, and, um, and the way that Shakespeare writes for stage and for actors to be able to speak his language. Um, but it's such a different approach to Shakespeare because we are for young boys mm -hmm. who are not trained in Shakespeare. Right. Right. So it's a question you ask yourself, how well do these children speak Shakespeare? Mm -hmm. um, we're lucky that um, Shakespeare's writing is so easy to speak because of the way he has put it together for us. Um, so I think there is that, that natural uh, ability to it. But uh, it definitely was a question, mm -hmm. you know, how well do these guys know Shakespeare? And I think that it, it progresses throughout the show, the deeper that they involve themselves into the world of the play. Mm -hmm. um, we forget, they forget that there are students in a school. Um, you just get taken over by yeah. the language and by the drama. Did you make a decision as a director that they would or they would not speak it differently because of this layer of it, them being boys, not, you know, not playing actors, but playing boys, playing actors, so to speak. I see what you're saying. <clears throat> yes. And, uh, that's something that we, in, in producing this play, the, the, the play is extremely sparsely written and, uh, stage directed. Mm -hmm. And what you find is that you're free to make the choice as to whether the students are coming to the text for the first time or they've seen it before. There's definitely, I feel implicit in the text is that, they have some familiar familiarity with with Shakespeare, right. and they know snatches of other sonnets, and they've mm -hmm. they've read the text before. Probably, what we wanted was uh, a very honest approach, and I feel like in an the the object for them starting out is to really use this text and use the story to accomplish something for themselves and to really make it as real for themselves as possible. It's their only escape from their kind of oppressive, uh, regimented environment. And so the more honest, the better. And Shakespeare, as Curtis was saying, you know, is, is it's, we don't think of it as easy because it's, it's hard to memorize and it's sometimes hard to understand, but it is easy to say, and it's easy to, to see why it's appealing, you know, mm -hmm. and its appeal is, is universal and 400 years old. So, uh, we did not want to, uh, to take the approach that the students were, were in any way kind of faltering through it. Right. Uh, or that they, that they didn't understand it. Uh, the reality of it is what's appealing to them. Right. You know, the, the, the real things that anyone might say to each other. And, um, 
the fact that it's beautiful, you know, and the fact that it's rhyming and the fact that it's in meter is, is only an embellishment of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. I was interested. Did you decide on a period? Did you know where that school was and no. what year? No, uh, the, I have my own ideas about that. Mm-hmm. And so far, uh, every, every audience member who has had the experience of going to a parochial school has told me that it's theirs, mm-hmm. that it's this one's Saint, you know, right. Zirkefritz of the lake, you know, right. that, that they particularly attended, um, <laughs> as they were growing up. And that's, that's precisely what we wanted. The, uh-huh. One of the goals here was to, to kind of, to show that this could be anyone's life. It mm-hmm. could be, these boys could be anyone. They're not, um, they're not, you know, ordinary or, or, or regular, but they could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Anyone could have this experience. And so it could be a parochial school in, in Britain in the fifties, and it could mm-hmm. be one in the seventies in Atlanta. And it could mm-hmm. be, you know, um, the, the, it's, it's more about the nature, the structured nature of their daily lives than it is about a particular, like, are they Jesuits? Are they, right. you know, so. Right. Yeah. But you did, it sounds like you did think it was American and you, I mean, they didn't have British accents. On. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did decide early on to my great chagrin uh, not to do it in dialect. Although I think that would have located us somewhere. Uh-huh. So I think it was the right choice. Uh-huh. Right. Because you'd wanted it to be universal. Well, it, it's interesting to me to hear you talk about how you, um, you didn't want them to be faltering. You did. They obviously needed to be familiar, but neither, but, but you thought of yourselves as boys saying these words, because I think that did something really great for the verse, actually, because I think to maybe, I'm, I'm just speculating, but when actors say, okay, we're doing Shakespeare, now we have to talk <laughs> like Shakespeare actors. And um, that's very hard to do really, really well. But if you just say it in this, I guess, almost naive kind of way, it, it totally worked, just as Shakespeare worked. So it's it may be a lesson for how to, how to produce Shakespeare. Um, so, Andrew, you played Juliet, and mm-hmm. I think it's always um, drag is essentially what that was. It's <laughs> always uh, can be really tricky. And I wondered if that, how, or how you and Tristan worked together to decide how feminine you would be and how you were going to do that. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting with his, uh, in the script, Joe Clarko says, uh, in the scene where you first see Juliet, where Lady Capulet and the nurse enter, they're very hammed up and they're very much playing women. Um, but he very much says that when student two comes in, it's, um, it's real to him and it's not a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was kind of my starting point where I, as I was going along, I didn't really think about playing a woman or a young girl. It was really just about honesty with the text Mm -hmm. um and going what she was saying is truth and uh all all the feelings she has for romeo so i I just really tried to be i guess subtle about it um Mm -hmm. and let the words uh speak for themselves Mm -hmm. which sounds kind of i don't know (laughs) cliche (laughs) and terrible but um but yeah hard to talk about acting right um but yeah just really letting the honest emotion come through mm-hmm. and not worrying about uh whether or not the audience was going to see me as a girl because mm-hmm. I felt like as long as it was a person really expressing themselves and how they felt about another person mm-hmm. um that they're going to care about that person whether or not right. it's a boy or a girl right well and and it does add a it I think it's very effective two things happen one is we do see the girl I mean she kind of kim, comes in and out of focus but we do see the girl and maybe it's cuz we know the place so well I don't know um but you know I had no problem seeing Juliet and yeah. then 
a lot of times it becomes an issue, particularly for the boys, that suddenly they've got this boy-on-boy love going on, and what does that mean? And they get, you know, kind of uh, inhibited by that, I think. Is that what you were playing? That's what I saw. Yeah. Um, I, I think, again, it, it really came back to honesty for me, mm-hmm. um, because Calarco also says that none of... Uh, it's never dictated in the script that the boys are gay. Mm-hmm, um, and right. it's not supposed to be like the predominant theme right. or anything in the show. Right. Um, it's just supposed to be about men and how men view women and violence mm-hmm. and sex and power and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it wasn't, I guess, a decision to play it up, but really just show love mm-hmm. um, and one person loving another. Yeah, yeah. And you just came to Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my stage debut in Chicago. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Quite impressive one. So where did you train? Um, I came right out of Cleveland. Um, I went to Case Western University, Case Western Reserve University in Mm -hmm. Cleveland. Um, I was there in school for four years, uh, studying acting and biology. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I guess from Ohio altogether, I grew up in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, fresh here as of this previous June. And did you, did you get a BFA or did you get a BA? I got a BA. I double majored in theater and biology. biology. And then the obvious thing to do with that is to come to Chicago. Yeah. Dropping the biology by this wayside or not? Uh, no, I, I still try and like actively keep both in my life. Cause I find, uh, that if I'm not doing one, the over just the other one just becomes overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and my life becomes just tip to one side. Um, mm-hmm. so I came out here, I was working with the park district all summer. Um, I'll be working with them again this summer. Um, I'm working in outdoor retail right now. Uh, what is outdoor? Retail? So uh, just, I work with uh, a lot of outdoor gear. Oh, I um, see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. So, so that's not really bio or boots. acting. Yeah. So it's, it's travel, <laughs> it's but yeah, <laughs> it's it rent. Is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but I at least get to, uh, talk the outdoors with people and travel in my experiences outdoors. Um, mm-hmm. But looking for other uh, employment in mm-hmm. organismal biology and that kind of stuff while auditioning as much <laughs> as I can and yeah. doing improv and all that great acting stuff. What was the um, kind of the reputation of the Chicago scene? What, what did you hear that brought you <laughs> here? Um, uh, I knew a bunch of people. Uh, I have a, a ton of friends out here from that live here uh, that I met in college mm-hmm. um, and that are all really heavy into improv. We were all in the same uh, long uh, uh, improvisational comedy troupe in mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of them have come out here and are pursuing that. And I'm taking classes at the IO theater as well mm-hmm. um, and still continuing to do that uh, on the side. Uh, but, to me, it was either New York or Chicago, um, and I grew up very Midwestern, right. and uh, <laughs> I'm just a Midwestern kid. And I'd, I'd been out here previously and loved the people and the city, and it's mm-hmm. so clean. And New York is mm-hmm. great, um, and I could very much see myself ending up there one day, uh, but I, I kind of knew after visiting that I wanted to start off here mm-hmm. um, with all the independent theaters, and there's so much new work going on um, and just really... Uh, risque, experimental <laughs> theaters, every, fringe theaters everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thrilled that this fringe theater is my first and I'm taking part uh, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since I knew it was a role that I'd only get maybe one more crack at in my <laughs> career. What's the second crack going to be? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking why maybe. Yeah. Whereas I came from Philadelphia, from mm-hmm. the East Coast. Um, and so my view on New York was I've gone to New York so many times and yeah. 
you know, I have so many friends in New York and all that stuff, but it wasn't anything new and exciting and I had never been to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to come out to Chicago and, you know, see what it was like. Right. Um, but also there was a good number of people who have um, come out to Chicago from my undergrad and done really well for themselves and um, kind of were able to guide me into the theater world here um, and help me navigate, uh, which I was extremely grateful for. Yeah. Um, and so I think Chicago is really, um, it has been making a name for itself, um, you know, for a long time, but is, is just continuing to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, well, so, it seems like for Andrew, the decision was that New York seemed like a difficult and alien place to start a career because, well, I mean, because you're Midwestern, as you said, so Chicago <laughs> seemed more, more familiar and comfortable. Right? It is. Um, I, I mean, I visited New York as well and I have friends, uh, who are living out there, um, and doing well, auditioning all the time, um, mm-hmm. getting seen, um, but I just didn't know it as much, mm-hmm. um, versus having, I had a lot of support out here. Yeah. Um, and so I could come out. Um, so I'm excited the day that I go to New York. Uh, but for now I'm very happy to be here. Um, and it's just, it's such a killer city. So I, yeah, I think part, partly what I'm interested in hearing is like when, when a young actor is saying, okay, is it New York? Is it Chicago? Is it LA? What I'm hearing from both of you is it's kind of, to some extent, it's who you know. You've got friends who've been here, and you just do that. It's not about this, you know, reasoned decision that, well, in Chicago, yeah. we do this kind of theater, and that's right. the training I want or yeah. something. Is that, is that right? Part of it for me, too, was with um, a background in biology. Um, I guess my biggest background, too, is in uh, plants and fish, oddly enough. Um, but I knew there was... Uh, uh, I guess a community that it'd be easier for me to get in here, mm-hmm. um, with shed and all the museums, right. um, and having visited out here before and being on the lake, mm-hmm. um, fish, yeah, we got fish. fish yeah. <laughs> right. Um, versus New York, I don't know where I'd start. Uh-huh. Um, right. and so uh-huh. I knew people coming out here. And, uh, so that was also a, a huge deciding factor for me. Well, let's talk about the, um, the audition and, and, I think this is just kind of a fun way to get a window into a, you know, kind of starting out actor's life. So what do you watch to find out where the auditions are and how do you decide what to go to? And then I'll talk to you about what you were looking for. Oh, I don't want to divulge all my secrets. <laughs> <I'm in> competition. <laughs> no. um, websites, um, theaterinchicago.com oh, slash good, auditions. Thank you. Uh-huh. Good plug, uh, right? Yeah. I check it every morning when I wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, the League of Chicago Theaters.org, mm-hmm. um, their audition section. Um, there's a couple other, um, audition notice websites, uh, performing and such. Right. Um, also just check out theaters, check out their website, go to the Goodman yeah. Victory Gardens, their website, look under their casting, find out who their casting agent is. Um, send them your headshot and resume and mm-hmm. tell them you're here in town and this is, you know, why they should see you. Mm-hmm. And, um, it works. You know, I, I got called into an audition for Steppenwolf, just having sent my photo to Erica Daniels. And, you know, a couple months later, she just emailed me and said, I want you to come in for this. So it, it works, you know, yeah. um, get your name out there and get people knowing who you are. Well, and, and it just so happens, as I mentioned right before the interview, that the last podcast I did two weeks ago was with a talent agent and a casting director. And, um, Becca Knights at Claire Simon says that she, she's, well, she's on the Jeff's committee. So she goes to all, she probably will come to this show or someone like her might come to this show here on, you know, Jarvis and Rogers Park and, and see people. So it, it, I think there is, um, just being in shows anywhere 
kind of brings you into the fold and gets you seen, as you said. Right. And a lot of the, the companies are really good about going to see what's going on yeah. in the city. Right. And, you know, I mean, that's part of the their institutional job. theaters like Steppenwolf and, right. and, 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 yeah. and uh, Looking Glass. They're all very right. eager to see what's going on in the city and right. what the new talent is. Right. That kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, and do you go for everything? I mean, how do you decide what you want to audition for? There are a lot of roles for young men. Yeah. For me, it's a time thing recently. (laughs) Um, because my job is fairly flexible. Um, but really what I can make and I think you get into this, uh, like the swing of auditions where when you're up and auditioning for a lot of stuff, you're like, yeah, why not throw Mm -hmm. another one on top of it? I'll do 10 this week, whatever. Um, and then you get out of that and it's, you just have to, you have to keep yourself motivated and Mm -hmm. really keep yourself going on it. Mm -hmm. Um, constantly be looking for new material. Um, uh, but yeah, audition for everything you can. <laughs> okay, words <laughs> just of wisdom. Do it. <laughs> yeah, just get seen. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so let's go to the other side of the audition process. Tristan, you decide you want to do this show. Mm-hmm. You post um, the audition notice somewhere. Mm-hmm. You did the auditions. I happen to know it to Paul. Yeah. Um, and why did you do it there? Did you just know somebody? Or? Uh, it was a combination of factors with DePaul. Uh, D- the theater school DePaul has been really good to us. Our, the artistic director of this company, Evan Jackson, uh, mm-hmm. is a graduate of the DePaul Theater School. He has mm-hmm. a, he has an MFA in directing and he, uh, has, has great relationships there. Um, and they, they're just remarkable in, in that they, they want to foster everything happening in the city. They want to foster, all new theater, uh, and everybody who's kind of up and coming. So help uh, anybody they can. They, yeah. they do. Yeah. They've, they've just been at it for years and they, you, you couldn't ask, you couldn't ask for a finer kind of example of what theater training should be, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And the, and the Chicago community ethos kind of mm-hmm. everybody. I, I noticed that a lot in the Chicago community, mm-hmm. a very open arms community willing yeah, to help um, and support each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. So you're casting a show that has Four schoolboys, not mm-hmm. quite clear how old they are, but I'm picturing sort of high school age. Mm-hmm. And you get, um, how many actors show up? We got, uh, 45 young men, uh, <laughs> right. to turn up, um, from, from people as young as 16, 17 to, uh, people in their, in their mid to late thirties. And, you know, what was, what was amazing was, the the breadth of what people what people's assumptions were about mm. the show and mm. about what we would be looking for, and we had everything from um, people doing. We, we had asked uh, our actors to prepare uh, a Shakespeare monologue or to cold read one that we provided, mm-hmm. and um, we had people doing you know Caliban from The Tempest, and we had people doing Viola from Twelfth Night, and these are oh. all men, and oh. you know given kind of what they assumed. Uh, we would, we would want to be looking for. And that's, I think that's how any actor prepares, you know, right. how, how am I going to look my best? And, right. um, we saw the most incredible range of talent and we had this embarrassment of riches to, oh. to select from, uh, more than we were expecting much more. How many did you call back? Um, call, so callbacks were a little funny with this. We, we had, uh, a rotating, um, groups of people, uh, who audition using sides of, of four, uh, act, uh, four characters. Sides means from this script. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we, um, had people come in and prepare something else and then, uh, gave them some sides from this show mm-hmm. to, to read and, and uh, prepare, you know, for sometimes only a few minutes with, uh, some of the other folks who turned up to audition. And so we saw 
a fair amount of every actor uh -huh. who turned up. But you, it really you, you auditioned them as a foursome. You're saying right uh, on uh -huh. their own and in pairs mm -hmm. and as a foursome uh -huh. because this is such an ensemble show. Right. We really wanted to see not only you know the actors' individual strengths, but can they come in cold and not know somebody and and be generous and take what's given and how do they work as an ensemble? Right, um, and what right. we saw was amazing, you know, and, and people just melted right into it. So, um, yeah, we had, we had an incredible amount of talent show up, but we, we needed something really specific. Right. <laughs> well, talk about, so then how you do make those decisions. I mean, it's, it's never just, well, these are the four best. There's mm -hmm. other stuff besides how good the actors are. Can you talk about in this case, you talked about ensemble, yeah. people who could do the ensemble. What else as you're trying to, push the pieces together went into the final decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, so get it. So, so first <laughs> there's, the, there's the obvious X factor, right? Mm -hmm. There's the impression somebody makes and that, right. that is impossible to describe and impossible to prepare for and impossible to, to, to know until you right. see it. Um, right. so beyond that, mm -hmm. and so many people who turned up had just amazing presence and just brought things to it that I'd never seen beyond that, what we needed for this show um, was a few things. We needed, uh, that ensemble feel. So mm -hmm. somebody who could, uh, we call it playing on partner, uh, right. who could really work with a partner and stay checked in with them. We needed someone with a really good, thorough, uh, command of Shakespeare. Right. <clears throat> because more than anything else, if you can, if you can demonstrate not only facility with the language, but, but, but a little bit of exegesis, a little bit of bringing out what's in the text already. Right. right. Um, there were so many people who pre prepared dazzling monologues, but when presented with a new text to read, mm -hmm. you know, they struggled a little bit. And yeah. then there were ones who were really great. Mm -hmm. um, and then we wanted people who had a certain neutrality to them and who mm. didn't bring, let's call it a, an overwhelming kind of a steamrolling presence mm -hmm. to the stage who instead were somebody, you know, you could see what was inside, you could see what they were bringing to it, but they, that rather than that, that you felt like they could take on anything uh -huh. and they were, they were facile in switching roles and they were facile of to in the tofu factor. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Right. And the, um, it was, it was very difficult to, to narrow it down because yeah. a lot of, a lot of the boys who showed up, uh, exhibited just that. Mm -hmm. Some didn't, you know. <laughs> right. You could um, at least eliminate a few. Right. And right. some were incredibly impressive, but didn't do that, and so they were they were in there. Um, but the ones the the cast that we got just <clears throat> is one that that gels incredibly well. Who are all just the hardest working men in show business, and yeah. who just <laughs> connected to each other right off the bat. Yeah. You know, it was it was it was incredible to see that all come together uh, as an ensemble. I I would look at this cast objectively and think that they've been working together for ages, you know, right, that they, right. that they are that connected. So, yeah. yeah. And there's something that happens that's chemistry between two actors. And I, because of the way you auditioned, it sounds like you would have been able to see some of that, you know, mm -hmm. where people just could be in the same world. And, um, well, let's just talk very briefly about the production. Um, I mean, we're in a tiny, the quintessential black box theater mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Um, Intimate. and there's, Hardly, it's pretty hard to exit. You did a lot of work, just people hanging on the sides mm -hmm. of the stage when they were quote off stage, and of course they weren't. They were in a dorm room or something, right. so <laughs> that that was fine. Um, uh, and then there's probably the most striking element of the the staging is this whatever that is four or five yards of red velvet, which is sure. the only prop and becomes mm -hmm. every object right. in the play. Is that yours, or was that 
Joe Calarco's. That's definitely Joe Calarco's. The idea of the red fabric being there uh-huh. is Joe Calarco's, and it's brilliant. He mm-hmm. he has come up with something that can't that is as you as you point out incredibly versatile, and it can be anything, and right. it is everything. Right. And the idea too, the the added layer to that, which is that. Look, they don't have access to a lot of stuff. They're right. in a room. Maybe they're in a dorm room, as you said. Maybe mm-hmm. they're in a kind of an abandoned classroom. Right. And maybe what they could swipe for themselves was a tablecloth from the priest having dinner. Maybe right. it was, you know, and so a curtain or right. right. And knows, it's right. and it's an impressive color, and so yeah. they can use it for everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what's another fortunate thing is that so many. In fact, I think all of the cast has had some experience. Uh, with movement work mm-hmm. and sometimes even I think Curtis has some circus yeah. arts experience <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, you know just what they were able to do with that mm-hmm. it was it, it it does serve a singular purpose yeah you know well there's I think there's a lot to praise about this production but to me it's just such a quintessential Chicago storefront show where you go I mean honestly today there were literally just barely more people in the audience <laughs> than on the stage yep. um in, you know, a completely bare black box and you see very simple staging and really fine acting. And it's just a really exciting experience. So I appreciate your uh, taking the time to talk to me about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. So thank much. you.